What's up, people? Welcome to Changing the Conversation presented by The Athlete's Corner. We are your hosts. I'm Kalena. Brennan is with me. And today's guest is a two-time NBA All-Star, Team USA Olympic gold medalist, current GM of the Westchester Knicks. He's a husband and a father. Alan Houston is joining us today. Thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Let's jump right into the conversation. All right. What is your favorite scripture and why? Uh, my favorite scripture probably is Romans eight twenty eight. Um, you know, all things work for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I think that's a just a an overall foundational scripture that just speaks to purpose. It speaks to perspective and purpose kind of running together. Um, it speaks to uh, knowing, you know, your identity, um, identity in Christ. And knowing that um, you're called, and at the end of the, at the end of all this, you think about what, what your calling is, and everything is kind of uh, pointing towards that. And and then it also speaks to loving God. You know, that's one of his first commandments: is just to love, love the Lord. And that's why He gave us life. So He loved us that much to give us life. So in order for us to really find fulfillment. Um, Christ gives us the capacity to love him back in a way that we could never do the way he loves us. But and when, those th- when all those things kind of come together, uh, you can take times like this, whether it's the COVID or all this social you know, injustice, and you can think it, it's still working together for my good and, and our good. And that's a perspective that we need every day. Hmm. It really is. It's real. Drew, and then would you mind sharing an experience where your faith has played a role in your career or or outside your career, either on or off the court? Yeah, I mean, I think there are times when in in all of our careers, you face this uncertainty of what's going to happen, whether it's on your team. Um, I know for me, one of the biggest tests probably was my injury towards the end of my career when you don't know what's going to happen. You know, Colleen, we, I think we talked about this before and you went through this is like, you know, what does this really mean? You gave me this passion. You gave me this gift. You gave me this body, gave me this talent. And now it seems like I, I can't do it the way my mind and my spirit want to do it. So how do you, you deal with that? Um, and then again, goes back to Romans eight twenty eight. At the end of the day, it's still a gift that I was able to do. And if it means I have to transition. But during that process, I think in any injury, you know, I, I remember I had my second year in New York, I had a, you can, probably can't see it, but I got a two-inch scar on my shooting wrist. And I still don't have the same flexibility in my shooting wrist. And nobody really knew that, you know, not only was that, that was my biggest strength, but I lost range of motion in my shooting wrist and that was scary man you know you the, the, the how your biggest weapon is kind of taken from you don't know how it's ever going to come back you got torn ligaments in it um and and so that was a that was a scary moment for me but you know what you you put the work in and your body and your mind and your spirit they, they recover right mm-hmm. and um i think in my personal life um just, you know, my wife and I have been through some ups and downs and God has just 
amazingly by his grace, it's gotten us through a lot. My daughter had, um, when she was 10 months old, she had heart surgery just, and it was like, I, I remember, um, sending out this email blast to a friend of mine who owns this kind of, you know, gospel hip hop network. And man, I must've got thousands of emails back just saying, we're praying for you and your daughter. And I was just in the, in the, in the surgery room and in the, in the waiting room, there was just this peace. And it's almost like I couldn't even allow myself or I, sh or I shouldn't say allow myself. I wasn't allowed deep down to think about the negative consequences of what could happen. It was just, it just didn't get in there. Right. And so, um, and so even today, you know, she's at higher risk, but, um, we just say, you know what, Lord, we do everything we can do, be mindful, you know, take all the necessary protocols and, and God is sovereign. So I think, um, having that peace that surpasses all understanding is something that you really have to, uh, be reminded of every day. Yeah, that definitely speaks to a lot of people. I know with injuries, when, when you're going so well in your sport and you're hit with that injury and, and the question of your identity comes into play and the uncertainty and all those different things, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of athletes struggle with that. So that's really cool. And also, also, also obviously when if something happens with your family, I mean, that's as, as big as it gets and, and, um, just being able to have that peace through that time is kind of an advantage we have being in the Lord, knowing once something like that happens, God's going to walk through us, walk through it with us and give us that peace. So that's, that's big time right there. So how does your faith play a role in your life on a daily basis? Well, it's, um, it carries, it carries, first of all, it, it sets my perspective. Right. I think some I think life is about truly about perspective. It's the way you perceive the world, your your place in the world, um, and, and your role in it. Um, and so when you start with this perspective that in Christ God has given us this perspective that we're we're chosen, we're called, um, we're part of this uh royal priesthood and holy family that He's given us an assignment. And uh, once you, I feel like when you start with that opening perspective, then it just kind of, it really transforms the way you, you see things, the way you operate, where you, 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 your language, and you have to, and then you put it in practice. So and when the Bible talks about faith without works is dead, obviously we can have a certain belief pattern, a belief system, but you know, like, like, like that. The, the, like our guy Lanny Smith, active faith, right? If it's not active, right, yeah. then what? If what? What are you? What are you really doing? So, um, it, it's it's like training. I I believe we have to understand that our spirit and our inner inner man needs training the same way our outer person needs it. And uh, devotion, you know, get up, get in the word, because uh, the Holy Spirit will do things and remind you. Like I said in John, the Holy Spirit was here. He left the Holy Spirit to remind us, of, remind us of all the things that Jesus said, and we need that reminder. We need that comforter. We need that guidance in times as a you know as a father, right, as a leader. There are times when you don't know what to do, what to say in that in that moment, and if you don't 
engage your spiritual self, then that, that spiritual self is going to kind of lay dormant. And um, so, you know, it, this, this time in the last four months has allowed me to get closer to God, spend more time, prioritize my time. We now, <laughs> even after school was out, my wife uh, had a nice little camp schedule. So we get up at 8.30 every morning and I, I do a devotional with the kids. And, so, and I just pick a scripture and we do go for about 10 minutes, let them all kind of read their scripture, talk about it, pray it out. And it just gets the day started even before they have breakfast. And so um, it, it, it's really, um, it has to be, faith has to be exercised, right? It's like any part of our system. And once it's exercised, not to say you won't go through things, but when your faith, that, that muscle, that faith muscle grows, um, you know, you just, it just gives you that peace that we just talked about. So um, it, it's, it's a training. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I love that for sure. I know there's going to be a lot of people who watch this that obviously don't know you super well. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, um, I would love to know, how did you come to know the Lord? Uh, growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, um, my my father was an assistant coach at the University of Louisville, and, and when they had some really good runs in the '80s, I know Kalina don't like to hear hear, hear that, <laughs> but I'll hold it against you. Know, <laughs> yeah, you, it was it was way before your time, so yeah, it was back then. But but uh, growing up in Louisville, you know, it, you know, it's kind of a cultural thing where faith is just kind of it was kind of part of our pattern we had we have a lineage and heritage of, of faith you know, my great parents my grandparents my grandparents were all um people of faith so you know we went to church um on most sundays you know there were times when i was you playing and my dad you know had things and but for the most part that was part of our our routine and when i was about between my freshman and sophomore year in, in high school i literally felt this this call like i just felt like uh you know, in the Baptist church, you know, at the end of the sermon, you know, the, the, the pastor says, all right, well, come on up if you want to, if you have anything to say, you want to give your life to the Lord, you want to come up and you forget them of your sins and become a become a Christian. Doors of the church are open, blah, blah, blah. You had to come up and confess. And so when when I was at that time, it, it was, it it really confirmed my confession because and my, I, I believed if I didn't go up there, then it wasn't going to be a real, true confession. And we know that there's a transform, transformation in your heart if you believe, you know, but, you know, the Romans 10, 9 said, if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and God raised him from the dead and confess it. So we, we I went up and I just felt this, this calling. Um, and it was almost like the Lord was like, all right, this is a time where you actually are going to have to make some real, make a real decision to follow me. Um, and I knew that I had been given, you know, a, a talent and a gift and I started to get some attention and, and it was the time where God really needed me now. So I came up and I, and I gave my life to the Lord, but for the next five or 10 years, you know, I, I was a believer, but I wasn't really discipled. And um, so I just went through kind of a, 
hot, cold relationship, you know, kind of on the fence type thing. Uh, wasn't really sold out for the Lord. And I kind of liken it to the parallel of being on the team, but not really, you know, getting playing time or not really knowing the plays and, you know, and all that. So when I got to New York, uh, fast forward a few years, got drafted, went to Tennessee, played four years. And every place I went, I would have someone that God would send to just remind me, you know, track. It was a guy on a track team invited me to Bible studies. And I was like, oh, you know, hot and cold in Detroit. Same thing. He sent me a couple of players, David Wood and other players, just kind of remind me. And I got to New York. I signed a, signed with the Knicks as a free agent. And that was when it it, it was just like, no, this is the time. <laughs> and Charlie Ward, one of my best friends, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, strong believer, discipled me. I had a cousin uh, who just happened to move to New York. Um, um, and and we he just walked me through the scriptures. And that's really when I think, he, he, you know, I, I became so enthralled with the word and who Jesus really is and was. And I'm in, and, and so that was my first year in New York. And, uh, you know, you still go through your battles, your ups and downs, uh, just got married, but it was really when someone could walk me through the scriptures. This is what the word really means. How it can apply to your life right now? And I think that's really where uh, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of youth discipleship and discipleship in general, because that's really what it, it, it just it changed everything for me. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I always love hearing about how people came to the Lord because everybody has their own unique testimony. And yeah. for me, it was it was an early age, the age of understanding, basically. But kind of like you were saying, I, it didn't really become real to me till later in life. For me, it was mm -hmm. high school and then my friends. I was blessed to have accountability partners and my family. My parents were, were, were strong in their faith and they taught me. So I love hearing that. So, so transition over to your family. What is your favorite activity to do with your family? My favorite activity to do with my family? Um, huh, you name it. I mean... We've been there. we've been doing so many things right now. Um, from you know, fortunately, we 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 have a lot of room outside our house. Um, swimming, um, you're really just really just hanging out with them and doing anything. You know, when you I, first of all having seven children, I, I have to be available and present at any moment, right? So yeah. it's like. The biggest challenge for me is saying, okay, if my 15 year old daughter is like down, you know, she's shooting on the court, like, I don't want to miss an opportunity to be there with her if that's a way we can connect. Whereas, you know, if my, my son, who's a sophomore in college, he's just sitting at the table, just sitting having a conversation with him is, is valuable. So for me, it's really whatever they, like to do at the time or passionate about doing um you know we haven't we we haven't ridden bikes as much as we have in the last three months ever <laughs> you know so so just that um you know just playing you know board games just really anything what's the what's that. the favorite family board game 
right now we're on this thing called Dizios. It's a it's a game. It's a game like it's like a dominoes type game. You have these tiles and you kind of fit them together according to the, the numbers on the tile. So it's like a dominoes board game. Uh, it's a fun game, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's such a blessing, man. You know, I have, so my youngest is eight. He's a you know he's the youngest. He's like the prince, you know, because he has four sisters above him. Then he then. And then my son, who's in college, and then my oldest, who's um, going into her senior year. So there's so many different dynamics between one girl plays soccer, one plays tennis, um, one I'm trying to get in the track, and the other one's a high jumper. So for me, it's um, I'll find myself always literally using sports analogies with even with a scripture or just life. And uh, recently, it's been good talking about some really deep issues around social injustice, around, you know, gender, all these discussions that are coming up. We just haven't had time to sit and talk about them in depth. But now now this gives us a chance to do that. Right. And how much tougher was it to get that quality time when you were playing? Obviously, you got less time on your hands. So well, when I was playing, yeah, when I was playing, they were younger. So when I when I finished playing, my oldest two were three, four years old. So they don't remember much. Um, and then I went through this transition of trying to figure out what I was going to do, what God wanted me to do. Um, and that's that was, you know, uh, tricky because you know then you have I'm retired, and then you literally have five more kids after you retire. So that was a a real transition for me. And this, so now, um, my youngest is eight, my oldest is 21. So now this is a really cool part of my life. But the the biggest transition for me was probably not as much when I was playing, because, you know, you got two young ones and you're just focused and there's only so much you can really do with them. Um, and, and the time that you have with them is precious and valuable. But when I, when I finished playing, now you can see them grow. Now you can try to see them develop. And so balancing that with still working, still working in the, you know, with the Knicks traveling, um, that was challenging because, you know, when you're in the front office, you can't just say, all right, just one o'clock, I'm done practice, I'm going to go home. You know, you're, you're, you're scouting, you're at games, watching games. You're, you know, it's, it was almost more chance, almost could, could have been more challenging. In, in that role than when I was playing. But at the end of the day, you know, an incredible wife, as you can imagine, um, she is um, incredibly strong, thoughtful, uh, got her master's in education. So she had a, a background of just youth development. That's why youth are so passionate for us. So she kind of was able to have a really strong foundation for not only our marriage, but for how to create a just an environment um, that was helpful that I could just um, I would say help her help her manage you know and uh, and so that was that was very helpful. Speaking of your wife, uh, I would love to know what do you do to strengthen your relationship with her? What do you do to strengthen your marriage? Well, the first thing, you just got to remain best friends. You know, it's 
sounds pretty simple and all that and cachet, but you know, I, I encourage a lot of young people that, you know, when you can marry your best friend, you don't, you got to get in a relationship and truly be friends because there's conversations that you're going to have and you're going to have intimacy. You're going to have these moments where you, you don't really like each other and really, you know, find a way to connect and, and really respect their perspective, respect their space, respect them and just have that authentic uh, relationship. That's the first thing. Then you can kind of figure out, okay, well, you want to do this? What do you want to do? Not about me. It's about, okay, do you want to do this? Fine. What do you want to do? What do you want to eat? And where do you want to go? Which movie do you want to watch? Um, you know, but I, I find now that, you know, prayer is powerful. You know, praying together is one of the most important things that, that couples can do. Um, we find ourselves now really, like when we were young, when we were younger, we we're going on 24 years. And when we were younger in our marriage, you know, we didn't want to just pick up the Bible and start just talking about scriptures together. You know, it wasn't like a a, a strong appetite. That wasn't the go-to, right? <laughs> it wasn't, a, that wasn't the thing, you know, but now it's like, as you see things you go through and it's like, that's what we actually look forward to. Um, and so, um, you know, a lot, and a lot of, and a lot of couples, um, they, they, they spend a lot of time with the kids and they kind of forget to make sure that that relationship actually is the most important relationship. Most important relationship is your, is a relationship between you and your wife because your kid's going to be gone. You know, if you do it, if you, if you think about it, you, you get them while the time they're 15, 16, they have their own thought process. Now they're going into college, you know, and they're adults and now you can just give them advice and wisdom. <laughs> you, you're not going to change their whole belief system pattern, right? So uh, the way you do when, when they're younger. So um, anyway, I think we, we just, you know, find, you know, you just got to find ways to stay stay connected. You got to, and, it, and it's got to be something you, you really intentionalize, right? That's the thing. It doesn't, that's not going to just happen. I think that's the thing that we found is don't wait for that to happen. Um, you gotta, you gotta put that work in. That's cool. I, I, you already touched on this a little bit. You talked about using scripture to talk to your children about things. And I'm sure Brandon can use this cause he just had a new beautiful baby girl. Congrats, but, man. But, yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some, you know, sleep right now though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, You're getting you... something later. There you go. How do you encourage your seven children to have a relationship with the Lord? Well, you have to keep, you know, technology. Now you can send them scriptures. You can, I think this has shown me this whole, uh, you know, COVID has shown me that you have to make it part of the system. Whenever, when you have food on the table, guess what? Everybody's going to eat. That's, you don't have to, you don't have to say, Hey guys, I think I need, you need to go eat. Right. So it, it almost has to be part of you have to figure out how to work it into a routine, something they expect at, a, at a, every day, even if it's all right, I'm going to send you this scripture um, every this morning, this time. And we're going to and I still you know struggle with that with my older ones. But 
it has to become part of the conversation. It has to become part of the daily or frequent conversation. And I found that it was intimidating, even though you know I needed to do it. It was intimidating because I just didn't know the word. I just didn't know the word enough to say, let's talk about this scripture and how what it means, you know. Um, but that's again goes back to why it's important to have accountability groups, like you said, um, a group that you can learn from. So when you glean from someone else, then you can kind of pour that into your your kids. So I, I believe that's one of the most important things in today's world because we're living in a world of, um, you know, we have been, but this the, this new age philosophy uh, thoughts. And, and they're contradicting the true word of God. So if, if you don't really have a system, a group that you can really have an authentic knowledge of certain things of God that you can impart to your kids, it's going to be a struggle um, because they're going to go out in their circles, schools, teams, and they're going to hear, contra- you, know, con- you know, contradicting philosophies and system- beliefs. So um it it does have to be part of some type of intentional uh consistent conversation great that's real that's it man that's all we had that's you said a lot of great things in there man incredible nuggets yeah love it yeah that's it for changing the conversation episode two thanks again Alan, for taking the time man we appreciate it thank you all for listening bye everybody